Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hear it again. Number one, this matters because the local church should be the love of your life. Now, I know that's controversial. I know that's controversial. My wife rebuked me when I gave her this point because she was like, no, Jesus should be the love of your life. And I'm like, amen, I believe that. But look what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. But Christ is the head of the what? The church, his body of which he is the savior. I love Jesus, but the church is Jesus's body. So I can't love Jesus and not love his body. My wife asked me last week because she's been doing beach body and been eating right and all this stuff. And she said, babe, do you think I need to lose weight? How many people know? That's a trap. That's a trap. First off, your body's fine. But even if it wasn't, I'm not saying nothing. Husbands, let me help you out. Here is the correct answer to that question. I love you. And every time she tries to bring it back to her body, you go, I love you. And what we're doing, we're not lying, we're not fronting, we're not pretending. We're saying, listen, I don't separate you from your body. When I made a commitment to you at the altar, I married all of you in sickness and in health. And I know that the church isn't perfect, and I know that she makes some mistakes. But if you love Jesus, you love his body. You can't separate the two. You, it's, a, it's a package deal. You got to love him. Number two, you are the church. You are the church. I read a study on Generation Z. This is the generation that was born 1995 or later, or in other words, a generation born in the Internet age. And uh, they said, yeah, Generation Z, wherever you're at, make some noise. Let us know you're here. Born past 1995, they're here. <laughs> um, but I did a study on, on, uh, on those who don't go to church. And those who don't go to church, their number one answer for not going to church was church is not relevant to me personally. And my question to you is how more relevant can it be? It's you. <laughs> You are the church, but the reason why it's not relevant to them because they didn't grow up with that revelation. They grew up believing that church is an institution. Church is not an institution, it's an organism. And there's a difference. An institution feeds off of people, but an organism feeds itself. It feeds itself. You know, I've been, I've been working out recently, and I want to thank you for all those who have noticed. <laughs> why you laugh, though, that's not cool. And so some people say, hey, you look beautiful. I'm to thank you very much. But you know, I, but the biggest difference has been, it hasn't been just, stop laughing. The biggest difference has been, <laughs> Not just me working out, because I've been working out. You know what the difference was? When I combined working out with a good diet, and I started eating the calories, and I started drinking the protein, and I started getting the carbs in me, all of a sudden I started to see growth. Some of us are struggling right now in our growth. We're not growing financially. We're not growing in our spiritual walk. We're not growing personally. And you know why the reason we're not growing personally? Because we're working, we're working, we're working, we're working, we're working, we're working out the thing that we want to grow, but we're not feeding the body. And the body's got to work together. Listen, when, unless, unless the bicep, you know, unless the, the quads, I can do curls all I want. And I can do squats all I want. But unless the quadriceps walk me over to the fridge, unless the back reans over to the refrigerator, unless the, 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 the tricep pulls back, the, unless the lats pick up the five-pound bag of chocolate protein, unless I drink it and I eat it, I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to grow. I, how dumb would it be if the bicep would it be like, J.J.? This is weird, I know. But it's be like, JJ, I'm so mad at you. You got me working, 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 but you never feed me. You never rub chicken on me. You, you, never, you, never, you never bathe me in protein. You, 
Why do you hate me, JJ? And I'm like, bicep, you don't understand. When you feed the body, you're feeding you. Which, when you feed the body, the church, you're feeding you. And the reason why you're not growing is because you're doing a lot of working, but you're not feeding the body of Christ, which is the church. And when you do that, you'll see growth in your personal life. Number three, because of all that people give to build the church. Last, last service, I, I brought up Janelle Ray. She's in the back. Janelle, just wave to us because we don't have time because the clock is moving like the clock is demon possessed. But um, Janelle is there. And I love Janelle Ray so, 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 so much. She's been coming to church for two years and she gives so much to this church. Not only is she on the host team, I love the host team. Um, she's also one of the best small group leaders that we have on top of that. And on top of that, she's also a member of the legacy team. The legacy team is a team of people who give above and beyond their 10% of tithes to help further the cause and the mission of the gospel. And she is not a baller, but she's part of that team. Why, I asked her. She said, I just, it's all I know. I love the local church. I love what Jesus has done in my life. I mentioned this because in economics, they teach you, you know how to price a topic based on what people are willing to pay for it. Look around at all the people who've got dream team tags. You know how much they're paying for this? Do you know how much they're making this happen? That's how you know this thing is valuable. Number four, all that Jesus gave to build the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her. I always laugh when people tell me, JJ, how does it feel to, to see a dream that you had in your heart, you know, two and a half years ago, that's when we launched the church, come into fruition. That must be great to see a dream. And I laugh. I'm like, this is not my dream. It really isn't. If you think this is my dream, you're off. This is God's dream. The local church is the, you know how much, how much this is not my dream? We have a little letter board in, in our office, in our headquarters. It's really just like 150 square feet of space. We call it headquarters because we be prophesying. And so we just got 150 square feet of space and uh, we have this little letter board and it says DEC 2019750, December 2019, 750. And we wrote that in October of 2018. And we said that at the end of December 2019, the end of this year, we will see 750 people in weekly attendance. That was mind-blowing for us. That would have been twice what we were seeing at the moment we put it down. Can I tell you that this past December, we passed that number. Today, there's 1,100 people, almost 1,200 people who call Journey Church home. Listen, you know what? But we still keep the letter board there. Do you know why we keep the letter board there? To remind ourselves, don't get offended, but that our dreams suck when compared to the dreams that God has for your life. My God, if you connect yourself to the house and you make his dream your dream, his dream will blow your dream out of the water. I'm telling you, your dream girl is in this house. Some single person say amen. Your dream man, most likely, is here. Um, the dream that God has for you, man, it's, it's here. And number five, the local church is the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. I want to introduce you to Jebsira and Sinat. Jebsira and Sinat. And these are two people that our family sponsors. They're two young boys um, in Ethiopia. We sponsor them through One Child Matters. Um, a lot of families do. We have over 20 families that are sponsoring children in Ethiopia right now, which is exciting. I love you guys so much for that. What I'm excited about is that this October, Justice, my oldest, he's seven, right? Seven. He's going to go to, don't judge me. He's going to go to... He's going to go to Ethiopia for his first mission trip ever to meet the boys that he's been writing to and that we've been sponsoring. The miracle is not that we're going, though. What's funny about it is when we told him how much the trip costs. We said it's $3,000. And then he, this is a kid who makes a dollar a day for his chores. So when he heard the price was $3,000, he said, where am I going to get $3,000? 
that's a lot of money. And Liz laughed because she set up an account or GoFundMe, whatever, and she showed him. And when she showed him all the money that people were already giving, he was blown away. He didn't understand why people would give. And it was the pleasure of my heart to be able to explain to him that, Papi, that's what church does. Like he didn't get it. Why would somebody who works so hard for money give money so that someone else? Because that's what church does. That's who we are. We give sacrificially and not because we believe in you, Justice, although we do, but because we believe in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're going to do everything that we can to get this message spread all over the world. That's why. Like that's what we do at church. That's who we are. I'm so grateful that when he goes to Ethiopia, he's just not going to see the problem. He's going to grow up seeing the problem in our world and the solution in our world, the local church, and how it changes the world. And that's why we need you. And that's why it's important to ask ourselves, what kind of church are we going to be? Because hear me out, who we are is way more important than what we do. When we say, well, how could that be? What we do is tell the gospel. There's nothing more important than telling the gospel. Yeah, telling the gospel is important, but who we are is what makes them want to listen. The way we live our life, the way we approach people, our kindness and our joy, that's the way. That's why people want to listen. And so I want to introduce you to our church today. If you're new here, this is kind of our, our, our who we are. If, if you've been coming for a while, this is an opportunity to learn more about who we are and, and challenge in certain areas. Because for some people, you're going to struggle in one or two of these areas. And so who we are, first off, we love God. Second, we love people. And that's what I preached about last week, love God. If you missed it, go back and listen to it on the podcast or on YouTube. Number three, we pursue excellence. And number four, we choose joy. So I want us to say it all together. And I'm going to go one, two, three, and then we'll say it. We start off at we love God. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. One, two, three. We love God. We love people. We pursue excellence. We choose joy. That's who we are. Welcome to Journey Church. This is who we are. This is who we are. And today I want to talk about the kind of church that loves people. The kind of church that loves people. The Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 35, let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Here's what I learned when I see the words recognize and the words see that Jesus Christ died for the kind of church whose love would be visible to the public eye. You, could, you, would, you would see it. Like it's not that it was begging for attention, but it can't be missed. It's like Jesus would always tell somebody when he healed them. He would say, don't tell nobody. But the people who were healed couldn't help but telling everybody. Jesus wasn't seeking attention, but he loved people so well that it was impossible to miss them. I had a friend in an internship that I used to go to on Valentine's Day. I wasn't dating anybody. They were dating somebody. And this girl's boyfriend bought her one of those ridiculously giant teddy bears. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that are like the size of like, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. Like they're just huge. And, uh, and she had that in the room, which as a single person, you're rubbing it in. You're rubbing it in. She put the, the teddy bear like right at the entrance of the door so that everybody knew. All right, and then and that's, I don't even got a problem that he bought you the teddy bear. But it, do the rest of us a favor, bring it home with you after work. But no, she was that person in your office who left the teddy bear, left the roses, left the out all week. I walked past that office like, we get it. Somebody loves you. <laughs> Can I tell you that the church is God's giant teddy bear to the world? 
and they should see. The rest of Florida should see the way that Journey Church loves Orlando. And they should just say, we get it, Orlando. Jesus loves you. We get it, Orlando. God loves you. Because why? Because it's so out there. It's so obvious. It's, so obvious. it's a kind of love that cannot be missed. It's powerful. It's powerful. Now, for a lot of people, this is a problem, all right? For some people are, are people persons. Raise your hand if, if you know what I'm talking about. People, people, people. People, people, people person. Yeah, you know who you are, right? JT's a people person. Loves people, man. Always hanging out with people. He's at a different party. Feels like every week. Always hanging out with people. Loves people. Stephanie's a people person. Stephanie's always hanging out with people. Great people. And for those of us, and I say us, who aren't people, people, we kind of want to fight people, people, because they make the rest of us look bad. And if that's you, I just want to tell you two things. One, it's okay, because not everybody has the same, not everybody's strong at the same core value. Like, I'm really good at loving God. Like, I love that. Like, I love praying. I love what, that's easy for me. But would you be offended if I told you that the pastor of your church sometimes has trouble loving people? I hope not. I hope you would be like, this is my church. Because <laughs> if he, I'm good. <laughs> so, if that's you, I just want to introduce you to me. I took a temperament test. This past week, sat down with a counselor, helped me to understand myself. Can I share some of my results with you? It's going to encourage you. Let's just throw it up. On, this, is a, this is a clinical test. Number one, he is an introvert and a loner. Number two, he approaches very few people for association, becomes stressed when people put him in social situations. Number three, task-oriented. He does not know how to relate to people. Wait, 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 it gets better. Can I show you the page that talks about, like, like things to do to improve and, like, get better? Like, and this is how I need to do, like, to arrange my life. Here you go. Next one. Number three, find employment where he can undertake tasks with a minimal amount of interaction with people. This is me. So just so you know, when I'm in the lobby... And I'm like hugging people. And I, if I hugged you when you walked in here, that was everything for me. That is all I got. Don't invite me to the birthday party. Don't invite me to the Chris. That's the best of me. That is all I got. But here's the deal. If, if, if that's me and that's you, I felt so tight because I'm like, how am I going to love people if I'm this way? But look what, look what the Bible says. John 13, 35. It helped me when I read this. Love one another. Hear me. In the same way I loved you, guess how Jesus loved people? Sacrificially. That's when it hit me. It's okay if I'm not good at it. It's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be hard. But that's what makes it love. That's what makes it love. That it's a sacrifice and that it's hard. My wife told me the other day, she goes, you know what I love about you so much? You know what, when you do makes me feel so loved? I was like, what? She goes, when you go shopping with me. I go, but babe, I hate going shopping with you. That's the worst thing in the world. She said, exactly, and that's why I feel so loved. I was like, well, if you really loved me, you wouldn't make me go. So how does this work? <laughs> Who's loving who? Because, come on. She said, because it hurts, that's how I know. If this is tough for you, amen, you got the best opportunity. You got the best opportunity. So if I'm doing it, you better do it. All right? Because this is hard. <laughs> Sorry. So how do we love people? Number one, we love people with our hands. We love people with our hands. Mark 10, 42 through 45. 
Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your, say this word with me, servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You can write this down. Church is not built on the love of power, but on the power of love. In other words, I'm not asking, we're not asking other people, what can you do for us? As the church, we're looking at the world and saying, what can we do for you? We're a serving church. Somebody say amen. I wrote it out so that you would know exactly what I mean. We're the kind of church that holds the door open for people. Hello. Okay. Within 10 feet. That's reasonable. Don't be the weirdo who holds the door open, the person's 30 feet away. It's just creepy. Don't be that guy like, I am waiting. Just make an eye contact the whole way. Don't do that. We're the kind of church that never tips less than 18%. Somebody say amen. We're the kind of church that puts the shopping carts back in the thingy. It's not far. Do it. We're the kind of church that wipes down the sink even though it's public and we courtesy flush. We're that kind of church. We're the kind of church that picks up the trash on our neighbor's lawn. Not because it's our lawn, but because he's our neighbor. We pick up the, the, the trash as we walk into the courtyard here. We pick up the trash that's sitting next to us because we're servants. We're the kind of church that buys donuts for our office just because. Just because. I'm going to tell you right now. You buy donuts for your office, especially if they're Krispy Kreme. They're all getting saved. And if it was hot and ready when you bought it, whew, that's baptism of the Holy Spirit right there. They're going to get saved and speaking in tongues right there. They'll be like, this is good. Good. We're the kind of church that gives up their seat on the bus for the pregnant lady and the elderly. I know you see them. Stop talking. But what we do is we look around the bus and we look at who should really give up their seat. Like, that person's more able-bodied than me. It's their responsibility. Jesus is speaking to them, not me. Be that kind of church. I want you to meet my neighbor, John. This is my neighbor, John. And uh, cool peoples, cool peoples. This is actually our first serve day. This was two years ago, our very first serve day. This is my small group, Manny and Erica. They've moved to North Carolina since then. And um, one day I was outside. I was, I was in my office working on my sermon, and I saw John mowing the lawn. And I felt bad because he's really old and, and his bags were heavy. And so I just felt like the Holy Spirit ministered to me. And John's just a weird dude, man. Do <laughs> you guys know weird people? Like creepy people? I'm just telling you, these are the people Jesus wants you to love. What do you mean he was weird? Like I would talk to him about Jesus and then he would talk to me about like time-traveling aliens. But not as a joke. Like he would convince me of this. And so I'm like, he's just one of those guys. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do the help him with his lawn. So I go outside, and I help him mow his lawn, pick up the trash bag. It's a lot of work. And at the end of that work, I'm just like, all right, now this is the part where you accept Jesus. <laughs> I was like, so now that I've mowed your lawn, would you like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Something to that effect. Honestly, I'm tired. I'm sweaty. I'm just like, he's like, no, I'm good. I was like, I will open these bags up right now. And I will leave your lawn the way I found it. You better get saved. This <laughs> He said, no, I'm good. I was like, cool. Well, I gave him my podcast because we have a podcast here. He said, well, he just listen to the podcast and, uh, you know, whatever. Maybe it'll minister then. So um, I didn't know. But a couple of weeks after that, actually, his wife passes away. 
around that time, I'm preaching a sermon called When a Miracle is What It Takes, talking about what God takes something from your life. He texts me a quote from the sermon. I'm like, he heard it. So then I got my small group together. And I'm like, guys, let's, 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 this guy's ready. Let's go to his yard. Let's go, do some, let's go do some work on his yard. That's the photo you see there. And so we go there. We're working. And it's just a perfect picture of John. Look at him. He didn't offer us no lemonade. <laughs> Everybody knows, like, the least you can do. Would you like some water? Can you give us some water? None of that. He's like, the hose is around back. He did none of that. And so we start serving. We serve. We're up on the, I'm climbing his roof. You can't see me because I'm on the roof right now. There, she's pregnant. She's pregnant, making lawn bags and all that. And then at the end of the whole thing, we are about to leave. And I'm like, John, man, it's been great. Not really hanging with you. Um, and I said, man, you know, we're here because we love you and just because we love you. But if you'd like to make a decision to follow Christ. And I explained to him what that meant. I said, we would love to, maybe you have some holes in your heart since your wife's passed away. I think Jesus would like to fill that day John gave his life to Jesus Christ right there in his driveway. And, and two months later passed away. We had no idea at the time. We had no idea at the time, but God used not my sermon. God used my hands to impact the love of someone in their, their hands. We love people with our hands. We also love people with our words. With our words, with our words, with our words. Because of the time, I'm going to go ahead and kind of just move through some stuff. But it's important that you understand. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Matthew 12, 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I wanted to read these two verses in tandem because it creates a spiritual principle. Actually, a behavioral sciences principle. It says that the words you say, you eat. But the words that come out are the words you've eaten. So when I say something, it comes in me. But then... What's in me comes out of me. Behavioral scientists call this the hurt cycle. Because you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. I saw it with Justice and Zane the other day. Justice goes over to Zane. He goes, you're stupid. And then Zane says, because he's human, he goes, I'm not stupid. See that? Now, none of them really believed it, but it was the hurt cycle. Zane is living in a cycle. You said something hurtful to me. Did you know that the hurt that you spew on others is really the hurt that others have spewed into you? In fact, if somebody's been hurtful to you with their words, may I suggest to you that you might not even be the one that they're mad at, that the hurt that they're regurgitating is the hurt of their father from 30 years ago, 20 years ago, where he said to them, it's still resonating in their heart. He's just talking to you the only way he knows how, the only way she knows how. But can I tell you there's a way to break the cycle, and it's by speaking life. Somebody say, speak life. When you force life out of your mouth, you're really forcing life into your heart. And when life gets into your heart, life is what comes out. That's how it is. You got to speak life and break the cycle. There was a lady at a hotel Liz and I were at one time. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. We come back from a ministry trip. And she was so mean and so rude. Like she did not understand that she's in the hospitality business. And, and, and she was so mean, she got Liz upset. And that's hard to do. Liz is probably one of the most patient, kindest people ever. So Liz came back to me. She's like, I can't with this lady. I can't. You're going to have to talk to her. So I went up to her. It was 2 a.m. And I just, I just, I, I said, ma'am, I said, man, it must be so hard working a 2 a.m. shift. And it's cold outside too. My goodness, this is probably, I said, are you okay? She said, you know what, this isn't even my shift. And I've been fighting a cold for the last two weeks. And my manager made me call in at the last minute. If I didn't do this, I would lose my job. I'm just so sick and tired right now. She goes, man, but thanks for asking. 
What can I do for you? You know what I did there? I broke the cycle. I forced in life and she came out life. Here's how we speak life. Number one, we encourage. We encourage. Encouraging is so powerful. Encouraging, encouraging is when you, you let someone know something good about them. I was, I was once preaching on encouragement. This is a true story at a, at a church of 3,000 people. And, and I had my phone here and I forgot to shut it off. And it went off on stage. It ended up being the perfect illustrated sermon because the text message was from my mom and my wife. Came in at different times, different numbers. JJ, I believe in you. You're amazing. You're going to kill it today. JJ, you're a minister. You're going to change lives today. I was like, true story, guys. <laughs> I said, this is why I'm here. Somebody spoke me here. Somebody encouraged me here. Encouragement is powerful. So powerful, I want you to stop what you're doing right now. And I want you to find one person in your vicinity. Don't you not do this. Find one person. I want you to encourage them right now. Now, wait. If you don't know them, just be like, nice hair. But if you, or nice shoes. But if you do know them, you say something real because you know them. Right now, stop what you're doing. Encourage one person. Go. Don't look at me. Encourage somebody. <laughs> Hey, it feels good, doesn't it? That's life right there. That's life. It feels good. It feels good. All right, now say thank you. <laughs> it's important. Hey, hey, also, also, listen, encouragement, encouragement. Not just honor, not just encouragement, honor. Honor, we speak honor. What's the difference between encouragement and honor? Encouragement is done in private, but honor is done publicly. Take a post of somebody, take a picture of somebody who's made an impact on your life and write a little caption about them and post it on social media. I honor them. And by the way, you know what the opposite of honor is? Gossip. And if you're new to Journey Church, you're going to feel so happy. We don't gossip here at this church. We don't. We don't. At least people don't gossip to me. You know why? Because I shut it down. When people come to me and talk about other people, my question is always, don't tell me what they said. Tell me why they felt comfortable coming to you to talk about it. I just don't. I was like, we don't do it here. Talk to that person. So we're going to publicly honor people for all the good they do. And lastly, and this one really hits home for me, we speak to people's best. To people's best. Not, you know there's two sides to everybody, their best and their worst. Here's what I'm encouraging you to do. Speak to their best. One of my, 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 one of my greatest regrets in life is something that I, I did with my, my little sister. One of my greatest regrets. when she, She's serving the Lord now and she's amazing. But early on in our relationship, when she was kind of just beginning to stray away from the Lord, she had posted something on Facebook. And, uh, and this was wrong of me, and I apologize to her for doing it, have. And this is my, my greatest regret. I, I went on there, and I got on the captions, got on the comment section, and I said something to the effect of, like, this isn't the way mom and dad raised you. Y'all, she unfriended me. <laughs> and it was the most painful unfriending that I have ever experienced in my life. I told my wife, I'm like, can you believe she unfriended me? She's like, what do you expect? Did you really think you were going to change her life by calling her out? What I'm about to put on the screen is going to deliver somebody. You want to get your phones ready? You want to you write it down? You want to tattoo it on your thigh? <laughs> hear me? Hear me? Hear, hear ye? Hear ye? <laughs> At Journey Church, listen. Stop calling people out and start calling out the best in people. That's good preaching. Because we're not going to change anybody's life by calling them out. You got a girl who's a friend and you're a girl and she's posting some thirsty pictures on social media. Here's what you don't do. 
Hashtag thirsty. <laughs> Don't do it. Well, I love them. I just want them to get right with the Lord. Oh, and that's how you do it. How about you go take them out to coffee and say, hey, I just want you to know, I don't know if you post these pictures for attention or not, but I just want you to know, I think you're beautiful. And on top of that, you're funny, you're smart, you got a great way about you. I just want you to know any guy who ends up with you is lucky to be with you. And guess what that young lady's going to do? She's going to live up to the goodness that you call out of her life. Guys, you got a friend who's unemployed and not looking for a job because he's comfortable living at home and he's not chasing any dreams. Here's what you don't do. Get a job, loser. <laughs> Here's what you do. You speak life. You tell him, hey, man, I can't wait to see the business you start. There's destiny and greatness over you. I can't wait to experience it. You speak life. We're going to stop calling people out and we're going to start calling out the best in people. Here's my last one, my last one. We love people with our eyes. We love people with our eyes. I get emotional at this part here. Sometimes I'll look at Liz. We'll be watching the show. And, um, and I'll just look at her. Like this. I'll just go. <laughs> and then she'll look at, it's our thing. It's our thing. She'll look back at me and she'll go, what are you looking at? That's <laughs> and, then, and, then, and I'll say, what do you mean? <laughs> and then she'll say, this is how it ends. She goes, you look like you love me. <laughs> That's what she said. Has anybody ever looked at you like they love you? Like, have you ever seen it? Like, it's just a, like a, you know what I thought about as I was preparing this sermon? I thought about, I wonder, I wonder how Jesus looked at people, like the sparkle in his eye. Like, I wonder how he did it, you know, and, and the people that everybody else would look differently at. Like, I thought about the woman who was caught in adultery. Do you know this story? She was caught in the act of sleeping with another man. She had a husband, and, and, and they caught her sleeping in there, and they pulled her out, and everybody was getting stones, ready to kill her, because that's what the law said. And I can imagine the look on all of her haters' eyes. You're dirty. You're filthy. I can't wait to purge you from this society. You don't deserve to live. But then one man came and looked at her in a different way. His eyes, his eyes caught her. She must have been on the ground, you know, bleeding, kind of because she threw her on the ground, not looking up. But the moment she looked up and he saw, and when she saw the face, it wasn't anger, it wasn't hatred, it was. Are you okay? Are you okay? I got you. I got you. I got you. Can you imagine how he looked at her? Think about the woman at the well. Do you know this story? This was a woman who had been divorced five times. How would you look at a woman who's been divorced five times? Don't you even pretend like you're Christian right now. Imagine you're on a date, blind date, christianmingle.com. You got there. She sits down, you sit down, and you ask her. And you go, so tell me a little about your dating history. And she's like, I've been divorced five times. Fellas, keep it real. How are you looking at her right now? Check, please. But Jesus, he didn't just, he was waiting for her. He actually sent his disciples ahead. He goes by the well. This woman comes and he goes, oh, there you are. Could I have some water? Hear me. I've been waiting for you. I've been 
I've been waiting for you. And so and she goes at noon at the well when it's the hottest so that no one could see her because she couldn't stand the way people looked at her. And she meets somebody there who looks at her like no man has ever looked at her before. And says, my daughter, I've been waiting for you. I got some fish on the way. Hang out. He's coming back. We'll talk. We'll chill. I think about how Jesus must have looked at the demon-possessed man of Gadara, the, de the, de the, de the, demoni the demoniac, something like that. <laughs> the demonic guy of Gadara, the demon of Gadara, a thousand demons living inside of him. If, if, if it was in today, he'd be a man with mental illness. How do you look at people with mental illness? Honestly. How do you look at them? How do you look at them? The Bible says he, he, he cut himself. He was a self-harmer. And he, he didn't wear any clothes. And he lived in the tombs. And the whole crowd made him live in the tombs because they couldn't stand to look at him. You know how we do with the marginalized in our society? We create neighborhoods that they can live in so we don't have to see them. So we can go about our day and not feel bad about it. That's what they were doing with this man. And here's Jesus. And Jesus looks at him like no one has ever looked at him before. Not only that, remember the Bible story where the big storm comes and almost knocks over the disciples? That was right before this story. In other words, he sees the man who's demon-possessed and he goes, hey, I want you to know I just fought a storm to get here. I've been waiting to meet you. You are on my agenda. You are on my, my planner. I can't wait. Oh, oh, how about this one? I wonder how Jesus looked at the thief on the cross next to him. You know the one, he was dying, and he said, Father, forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me. Forgive me. I, I'm, I'm so sorry for what I did. You are the Messiah. And he looked at him and he goes, son, today you will be with me in paradise. While hanging naked on a cross, everybody's looking at this criminal. Feel that eyes. Feel those eyes. But that guy wasn't looking at the crowd. He was looking at Jesus. He said, no one's ever looked at me that way before. <sighs> they told me in church that if I wanted to make a difference, I had to look at people the way Jesus looked at people. Can I be honest? That's impossible. I tried, guys. I tried. I will go out there and I'll be like, all right, I'm Jesus. <laughs> Died for the sins of the world. And I'm a sinner. I love you. Sinner, I love you. Sinner, I love you. Sinner, I love you. Sinner, I love you. Y'all, it was really, really, really hard. Really, really, really hard. But then I read this verse. Can I just go to the end of it? Can I just go to the end of it? I'm going to go right to... Uh, Verse 37, Matthew 25, 37. It's the end of time. Jesus is talking about what's gonna happen when the world ends. And, uh, and, and there's these people, the church, this kind of church. And, and, and Jesus is telling them, thank you because you visited me in jail. Me, Jesus is saying, and you fed me when I was hungry and you gave me clothes when I was naked. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And here's what the people respond. Verse 37, then the righteous, somebody say the church. Then the church will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the King Jesus will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me you did for me here's what I understood they didn't see an inmate they saw Jesus they didn't see a, a naked person 
they saw Jesus. I, I pray this blows up in your spirit like it blew up in mine. A revelation that changed my life. It changed my life. Listen to me. I tried to love people like Jesus loved people, and I couldn't. It was hard. But then I tried loving people like if they were Jesus. And loving people got easy. Because I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a savior, but I know what it's like to be saved. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Do you know who that, that guy in the, in, the, in the red, Austin is, red hair is? You know his name? You know his name? You know that guy in the red hair? You know this guy, bro. Come on, man. You know this guy. He's been around here before. Do you know the guy with the red hair is? You sure? You know, bro. You know. His name is Jesus. And, and the girl here? Jesus. Next picture. Anybody know this kid? He's awesome. I love the way he worships. He's the man. Do you guys know his name? It's Jesus. I'll give you another one. Maybe you'll recognize him now. Next picture real quick. Oh, this girl, she helped build our church. I love her so much. Gosh. Jason, you know her name? <laughs> it's How about this one right here? This one. Come on, Journey Youth representing. This kid's cool. His glasses are cool. Do you know this guy's name? Here's this last one. Here's this last one. Here's this last one. Do you know what this young lady is? I've seen her a couple times at church. I'm so glad that she's here. I'll tell you her name. Her name is. What would it mean as a church if we didn't just see the world as the world, but if we saw the world as Jesus? Where are those Journey Kids Dream Teamers at? Journey Kids Dream Teamers at? Yeah. Raise, raise your hand if you work in the nursery. Nursery, come on. Hey, you're not wiping the butts of babies. Oh yeah, sounds weird, but it's theologically correct. You are wiping the butt of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you park people, all of my greeters team out there in the parking, you're not parking a person, you're parking Jesus. When you help someone find a seat, you're not helping a stranger find a seat, you're finding, helping Jesus find a seat. When you go to work, that's not your boss, that's Jesus. That's not your coworker, that's Jesus. That's not your son or daughter, that's Jesus. That's not your, that's not your enemy, that's Jesus. That's not your husband, that's Jesus. That's not your wife, that's Jesus. That's not your friend, that's Jesus. It's not your neighbor, that's Jesus. It's not the mayor, it's Jesus. That's not the president, that's Jesus. That's not a dictator. That's Jesus. That's not a Democrat. That's Jesus. That's not a Republican. That's Jesus. That's not a gay person. That's Jesus. It's not a black person. That's Jesus. It's not a white person. It's Jesus. It's not an old person. It's Jesus. It's not Generation Z. It's Jesus. We're not serving people. We're not serving people. We're not loving people. We're loving Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's who Journey Church is. That's who we are. We see Jesus in everybody. Hear me, hear me, hear me. We see the Savior in the stranger. 
I said, we see the Savior in a stranger. So when somebody gets cross with me, when somebody gets upset at me, I'll be like, oh, that was messed up. That was wrong, but it's cool. You died for my sins. Because I don't see a stranger. I see a Savior. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today, and you're here, listen to me, and you don't see yourself the way Jesus sees you. You see yourself as an addict. You see yourself as a failure. You see yourself as a loser. You feel yourself as a high school dropout. You see yourself as a divorcee. And I want you to know that God doesn't see you the way you see you. I said, God doesn't see you the way you see you. He sees you beautiful. He sees you anointed. He sees you called. He sees you holy. He sees you set apart. And I want to invite you to see yourself the way Jesus sees you today. If you've never made a decision to follow Christ, when I say three, I'm going to count. And when I get to the number three, if you're in this building and, and, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus with everything that you have, I want to invite you today to welcome him inside of your heart. Here's what that means. I'm going to see myself the way my Savior sees me today. And I'm going to enter into a relationship with him. Every head but every eye closed. When I say three, if that's you, don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid to look around. Don't look around. Don't be afraid of who's looking at you. When I say three, shoot your right hand up to the sky. If that's you, on three. One, two, three. Raise your right hand right now. I need Jesus. Come on, I see your hand. I see that hand. I see it. 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 Amen, amen, amen. Put your hand down. We're going to help you pray. Everybody's going to pray this prayer together. And if you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer too. You're not alone. We're with you. I pray this prayer every day of my life. Are you ready? Let's pray, worship team. Father God, today, I choose to see me the way you see me. I receive your love and I love you back. I start a relationship with you today. Forgive me of my past. I start fresh, new. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on up. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.